On this episode, you'll meet an autonomous truck developer with double vision. I'm Jim Park. This is HDT Talks Trucking, Season 6, Episode Number 2. There are about a dozen autonomous truck companies now testing equipment on highways somewhere in America. Most of them are focused on the straight, flat highways of the Southwest, with trucks operating between Arizona and Texas. But there's a company based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania you may not have heard too much about. It's called Locomation. It runs two trucks in a platoon configuration called an autonomous relay convoy. In this episode, the CEO and co-founder of Locomation, Dr. Chet Marichli, unpacks his vision on how to get commercially viable robotic trucks on the road sooner. Our conversation begins right after this. This episode is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange, a networking event where fleet managers and suppliers connect and collaborate. HDTX 2021 takes place August 25th through August 27th at the Scottsdale McCormick Ranch in Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more. So hi, Seton, and thanks for doing this interview with HDT Talks Trucking. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a, a pleasure to be here. We've been watching Locomation for a couple of years now. We went back and checked on the website, and it says that the company was founded back in 2018 by a team of experts in robotics and artificial intelligence from Carnegie Mellon's National Robotics Engineering Center and from the trucking industry. Your website also notes that the company is motivated by the challenge of solving problems that have hindered the trucking industry for decades. What exactly are those challenges, and why do you think you can solve them? An excellent question. So, uh Trucking industry, just like many other uh, industries, are now getting to a point where the existing capacity of uh, experienced and skilled human labor is becoming the bottleneck. Uh, unlike a couple of decades ago, a truck driving, especially long-haul truck driving, is no longer seen as a very attractive job because the, uh, the, uh, the salaries did not keep up even with the inflation over the past couple of decades. So it doesn't pay well. The lifestyle is very challenging. You have to be away from your home a couple of weeks uh, at a time. You, the life on the road is challenging, etc., etc. So as a result, younger people are less inclined to come into the industry and the existing driver pool is getting aged and shrinking. This on top of the uh, ever increasing demand around grand transportation through a couple of macro factors like the rise of the e-commerce, which is perfectly exemplified by the pandemic. We, we, we now all are uh, expected, expecting to order anything from online and expecting anything to appear on our doorsteps. And the backend part of it is also true, the manufacturing part of it. The manufacturing supply chains are um, now gathering around concepts like lean manufacturing and zero inventory manufacturing. So long story short, everybody wants to ship more things around expect things to deliver, get delivered faster and cheaper. And you are looking at an industry uh, trying, to, uh, trying to meet with this uh, demand and struggling because there are not enough skilled drivers. As a result, your utilization, your yield and your utilization rates are very, very low. It has, has been low historically. So this is a, a big problem. When you have a certain amount of resources, ideally you would like to be able to utilize them 
in the maximum way. We think locomotion uh, and in general the autonomous driving technologies, if implemented and deployed properly, can help alleviating these pain points and can help all of us navigate the, this discrepancy between the supply and demand around ground freight. How long do you think it'll take that to happen? I mean, you know, we're talking about two million drivers right now, I guess, in the, in the industry. It's going to be some years before we see a significant number, <clears throat> excuse me, of autonomous trucks. Is, is this a, a near-term solution, do you think, or a long-term solution? I think it is a, a at, at, at least uh, the way we are approaching to this problem at Locomation, we want to make that solution available in the near term. But we embrace the fact that it is going to take a long time uh, for this technology to, to permeate and to become ubiquitous. So our goal is to start offering the benefits as quickly as possible. But we are not naive enough to think that you are going to replace all over 3 million trucks on the roads today, overnight, or in a, in a few years. This is a multi-decade, multi-generational transition. That's a fair assessment, I think. You know, you talk about the other robotic technology companies. There's at least a dozen of them out there now that I'm aware of. There's probably uh, more that are still in stealth mode and haven't yet sort of come forward with their strategy. It's becoming a pretty crowded space in 2021. Uh, what what separates locomation from the rest of that pack? Um, a, a couple of uh, things that I can say without bragging because these are factual. We, uh, our team uh, really is, uh, is, is the result of the distillation of over 100 years of uh, direct autonomous vehicle development experience just among the five founders. And now, of course, with a much larger team, we pack even more uh, experience in, uh, under our roof. But uh, we always have been acutely aware that we know what we know and we don't know, we know what we don't know. We know how to build robots, we know how to build autonomous vehicles, but we are not transportation experts or we are not freight experts. So from day zero, our goal has been to expand the team in, in such a way that we are actually getting all this diverse skill set and diverse experience under our roof too. So we are looking at it as a business, as a solution, not just as a technology play. So as we move forward with the technology development and especially post-deployment when we launch commercially, when it is apparent that this, this technology is, is here and is on the, on the roads and is uh, adding value, more and more companies will come into this competitive landscape. We cherish that. We cherish competition. We deeply believe in our decision-making uh, efficiency and our know-how and our know-how not to. So we don't just know how to do things. We believe we also know how not to do things. And we believe that that's going to continue to give us uh, some advantage. Well, in the short term, speaking of advantages, you plan to operate two trucks in a close convoy or a platoon, if you will. Uh, most of the other uh, AI companies are equipping one truck with the technology and sending out two drivers in it to, uh, you know, one to monitor the truck, one to monitor the technology. As I understand it, your truck is going to be, your lead truck at least, will be offering, uh, running in a level two state, which is basically driver assist, while the second truck is uh, locked onto the lead truck and essentially following it. Uh, what role does automation play in that arrangement? So you actually uh, captured it pretty well. Uh, the lead 
lead truck has an engaged driver and active driver actually controlling and driving the, the, the convoy with uh, driver assistance, with autonomy assistance. And the second truck actually is a level four fully autonomous truck. It has its own decision-making abilities. It, may, it perceives the environment. It talks to the lead truck. It digests all the information and it makes its own plans to follow the leader. So it is a proper level four fully autonomous truck, but for a very narrowly and very crisply defined operational design domain. Its only job in the world is to just follow the leader, but it's not just blindly mimicking everything the leader is doing. So uh, uh, it is, th that's the role automation is playing there. It's, it's a, a full-fledged self-driving vehicle in the follower role. And does the lead truck have all of that technology, but it's just not turned on? I, I, I'd exactly. say it was level two. Uh, so the driver's doing most of the decision-making, but is it actually in level four thinking while it's driving down the road? Exactly, because uh, the trucks are actually uh, equipped identically. So any truck can be a lead truck or a follower truck. In fact, when you are deploying these uh, convoys on very long haul routes, the way it will work is for a number of hours or for a number of uh, hundreds of miles, one truck will be in the lead position and that driver in that truck is going to be overseeing the operations. And then the trucks will swap places so that the other truck can become a, a lead truck and the driver in that truck can become the uh, becoming in, in charge of the whole, whole convoy. So if you are familiar, of course you are familiar with team driving setup, you can think of it as a team split over two tractors and they take turns uh, driving the, uh, or being in charge. So in the short term then, uh, you've got two drivers on the road, one in each truck, but the way I understand it, your plans for the mid-range development of this technology is you're going to have a driver in the second truck, but he'll be or she'll be off-duty, not actually actively monitoring what the truck is doing, and that'll give you a, an hours of service advantage at some point in the development? That's, yes, that's, that's exactly true. Uh, with this uh, technology, a two-truck, two-driver convoy will be able to, the, the same number of trucks and the same number of drivers you have today, will be able to deliver twice as much cargo to twice as far and twice as fast while uh, reducing the overall operating costs by by about 30%. Of course, uh, it, when you include the cost of the system, etc., etc., you are still looking at several times margin improvement for the uh, for the operators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is... Uh, that's exactly the, the hours of service uh, advantage, being able to uh, stay off uh, duty or disengaged while the truck is moving and driving itself in the follower mode is going to give us this advantage. And how, how long do you plan on maintaining that particular arrangement? Or do you eventually see your trucks running autonomously, quote unquote, like everybody else's? Yeah. Uh, I mean, our, our eventual goal is no different than uh, some of our competitors like Waymo or, or Too Simple or Aurora. We just believe that uh, the right way to get there faster is actually uh, to through going uh, through these phases. We envision four phases of uh, concept of operations, if you will, for autonomy. The first one is this uh, two-truck, two-driver setup we call autonomous relay convoys. The next uh, milestone is a two-truck, one-driver setup. We, we call it the drone follower. 
And that is for, not for long haul routes, but that's for uh, about 500 mile trips, like 250 mile round trips. Okay. And then the third phase is where a solo single truck can be deployed with no human in the cab, but just on the interstate parts. That's the hub to hub model. The last phase is where Waymo, etc., uh, are are shooting for. It is the dock-to-dock model. The truck without a human involvement can actually handle the entire driving, including the uh, surface streets and and the interstates. We're gonna get there, and the right way to get there is to get to the world with uh, with a solution, so that you can actually get real-world exposure and collect validation data faster, while the technology is already adding value. And this is going to compound much faster in our in our view, and we're going to get to the full autonomy way faster. To answer the question, though, uh, we don't think these, uh, uh, the any of these phases will necessarily retire when the next phase is available, because uh, we are looking at the the freight network when you look at the entire country. Just let's just focus on the United States for for now. Uh, there is always some some weather conditions, some road conditions, something that that you cannot control. That maybe for a long time to come, you won't feel comfortable sending a truck with no driver in it at all. But you will still feel comfortable sending an autonomous convoy with some human involvement. Maybe some other days or some other routes, you will uh, feel comfortable deploying just this fully driverless uh, truck. So we actually see. A future where there is a mixed operation. Every load will be uh, carried by whatever is the best fit, the the uh, autonomy du jour, if you will, <laughs> whatever is uh, is the best for that day and for that load is gonna assign get get assigned to either a, a relay convoy or a drone follower or a fully driverless truck. Well, you, you make an interesting point there. When you, you bring up weather or traffic conditions, there's some extenuating circumstance where the autonomy maybe wouldn't be well-placed to handle that entirely on its own. Uh, there are people out there now who are talking about redesigning trucks, uh, driving, uh, taking the driver's seat, steering wheel, all that human interface stuff right out of the truck. So you have like a, a drone of some sort pulling a trailer. Obviously, in those circumstances, uh, if the weather gets crappy or there's some extenuating circumstance, that truck's going to have to stay parked against the fence. Yeah, that's that's very true. Again, there is nothing wrong uh, with thinking in in longer term, like futuristic views. There will be one day where we we will have figured out everything, so we will have the technology that can operate anywhere and everywhere, well beyond the, today's humans' capabilities, maybe. Maybe we will have the technology that can handle blizzards or, or whatever that will be happening I don't know, a couple of decades mm-hmm. down the road. The question is when? Are we going to be ready to just get all the humans out of the loop in, in such a way that they can't even climb back into the cab like next year, in three years, in five years? What is the reasonable expectations there? So the, the honest answer to some of these uh, questions is that we don't know. And that's perfectly fine. That's why we are advocating this incremental or phased approach. Let's let's start doing whatever we know how to do today, yep. and let's figure out the next next step. And if the next step turns out to be a little bit more harder or not a good fit, yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll keep working on it while still offering the the benefits of the technology the the, the best way we can today. 
Well, I worry about some of the stuff I read in the uh, in the mainstream media and the tech press, to be honest. Some of those people are positioning this technology as ready to go to market tomorrow. And some of the companies are actually saying one year, two years, you know, we'll have trucks on the road with no drivers. Is that setting up a set of unrealistic expectations for the technology? Is it going to appear to fall on its face in two or three years if you don't make those milestones? I think yes. And uh, it's not an if. I mean, that already has happened multiple times, right? Uh, so go back to maybe 2015, 2016 timeframe uh, when the AV uh, excitement was at its peak. Everybody was talking about taking the safety drivers out by 2017, 2018, 2019. Like there were a lot of all, all kinds of milestones, both in the trucking and in, in the passenger car. And then what we saw was that as the, the progress plateaued and as people uh, started realizing how tedious and how difficult that last percent of progress is, people stopped talking about milestones. People stopped talking about like exact dates. And all most of the times what we see today is, yeah, like sometime in the near future. But what is near future? Is it next Monday or is it seven years? Uh, so people started talking in, in more vague terms. There are still a few uh, uh, maybe companies or actors, we don't need to name anyone, with more crisp uh, dates. And they themselves have slipped multiple times in the past. So maybe this time they will get it right and prove all of us wrong. I'll be, I'll be rooting for them. But my anticipation is that they will realize that it's not going to happen in, in those aggressive terms. So I think it is okay to say, again, like, we don't exactly know, but we are doing our best. And uh, it's very important to be in a position where you, you, you start offering some values, you start relieving some pain, so that you are not under commercial pressure, so that you can afford to do it right, rather than pushing it to be fast and haphazard. We're speaking with Dr. Chetan Miritsley. He's the founder and CEO of Locomation. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back after that break, we're going to talk about some of the challenges that uh, face autonomous driver development and how Locomation plans to address them. This is HDT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park. We'll be right back. HDT Talks Trucking is brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange a relationship-building event hosted by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. HDTX is loaded with topical discussions and learning opportunities with some of the most innovative people in this business. HDTX 2021 takes place August 25th through August 27th at the Scottsdale McCormick Ranch in Scottsdale, Arizona. Managers of Class 7 and 8 fleets apply now to be our guest at HDTX 2021. Visit heavydutytruckingexchange.com. We're back with Dr. Chetan Marichli. He's the CEO and founder of autonomous truck developer Locomation. Chetan, we're seeing most of the activity in the autonomous trucking development world happening in Arizona and Texas, where the weather's pretty good most of the time and the highways are straight and flat. But Locomation, not long ago, took on a week-long trial of the technology on Interstate 84 uh, between Portland, Oregon and Nampa, Idaho. Why did you choose that route to uh, put this technology to the test and what did you learn from operating in that more challenging domain uh, another excellent question uh, so uh, when we when we approach 
uh, this problem, uh, we we look, we try to take a holistic look at the entire supply chain or entire freight network, and we try to first understand what freight moves from which location to which location, through what kind of interstate and what kind of density. We also study in a very, very data-driven uh, manner, the economics around uh, particular lanes and particular loads. So, uh, all to say that after that, uh, our, our magic sauce, our, our analysis, we exactly know which lanes are worth automating first. Uh, the I-10 lanes are great for testing. The weather is more permissive most of the time, flat ground, etc. But uh, and there is there is uh, enough uh, freight density on those lanes, but when you study the economics, the, uh, they are not the most attractive lanes to uh, to be automated actually. So uh, the first reason for choosing I eighty four between Portland and uh, Nampa was that the the business case dictated that that is a lane we should be looking to automate. Uh, with Wilson Logistics, uh, so that that will actually uh, bring better return on investment, if you will, if we automate that lane. So that was the top choice. Uh, of okay. course, the, the, the uh, byproduct was that we got exposed to the uh, set of real-world challenges like steep grades, tight curves, side winds, challenging forest shadows on the roads, whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that was wonderful uh, because... Uh, you actually want to get exposed to as many challenging conditions per mile as possible so that you can drive the minimum number of miles and learn the most. Everybody uh, seems to be um, subscribing to the idea of like the more miles you drive, the better your technology is or farther you're ahead. I, I don't agree with that. I mean, you can, you can drive a million miles on I-10 on this boring hundreds of miles straight lines and learn nothing burn gas, collect data, pay, pay for the storage of that data, but the real information or the know-how you extract from that data will not be zero, but will be marginal. So we are, uh, we are very, very happy with, uh, with that decision of uh, going and uh, operating on a more interesting segment of interstate. Well, I've often wondered that. I mean, the way I understand the autonomous uh, the artificial intelligence development is it has to learn. It has to experience things. And if it's going down Interstate 10, which, as I said, is straight and flat and the traffic's pretty predictable, the learning moments are going to be fewer and farther between the more the technology develops until it comes across something it absolutely hasn't seen before. And who knows when that's going to be? Whereas when you put it into a, a, a tougher environment right off the start, it has to cope with stuff that trucks in Arizona aren't going to experience for when years, decades. Yeah, that's uh, that that's ex that's exactly true. Uh, on, on in benign environments like I ten, you get to a, a plateau of learning or a plateau of information gathering rather quickly because the the overall level at baseline it is boring and it is benign and again that there's nothing wrong with that you you want nothing but boring in this in this line of business <laughs> boring but, is good <laughs> boring is very good uh, but when you when we are rushing to actually get to a point where we can have proof points around okay so technology is able to handle all of these edge cases all of these interesting conditions you actually want to slam the technology with as many edge cases and as many interesting conditions in as short of a period of time as possible. 
So uh, challenging uh, segments uh, bring steeper and more continued uh, learning curves, if you will. Okay, that sounds interesting. A, a unique approach. As of April 2021, when we were recording this, uh, Locomation has business relationships with Wilson Logistics. They're a transportation logistics company, uh, logistics company in Springfield, Missouri, and Rush Enterprises, who's going to be the primary installation and maintenance provider uh, for the technology platform. Do you have any other relationships or partnerships uh, in the works you want to tell us about? Uh, yeah, th yes, there are there are a few uh, partners uh, that we have done some pilots with or are planning to do some more pilots with. Uh, some of them are uh, from the shipper and third uh, 3PL pool. Some of them are other other carriers like like Wilson and for the uh, rush, they they are a centerpiece of our partnership ecosystem. They are going to play a very important role in providing cradle-to-grave support. So they will be our partners to install the uh, system, and they will also be uh, our uh, primary partner to support the system on the field. Uh, in addition to that, we are uh, working on a bunch of uh, partnerships that we will announce in the next couple of months around risk management, insurance. Um, these are also important parts. Most people think that if yeah. you solve the technology yeah. part, then everything is going to fall into place. But someone has to think about all the all the gory details of like what, what it actually will take, like how many other boxes we will have to take to deploy thousands and tens of thousands of these. So uh, there are a bunch of other uh, supporting ecosystem partnerships that we are going to announce, as well as extending the um, our, our customer base and our, our uh, transportation partner base. One of the questions that comes up, obviously, is how long is it going to take to get this technology integrated into our uh, supply chain? And we hear, you know, five years, 10 years, the end of the decade estimates like that. But I often wonder, are they focusing strictly on that I-10 corridor when they say the end of the decade? Or are you talking about you, Locomation, talking about expanding into places like New Hampshire and Pennsylvania and, you know, Wisconsin, uh, stuff where the environment is distinctly different from what we see down on I-10 through Texas and, and Arizona. Are you preparing for a nationwide rollout of this? Uh, we aspire to, and we think with the human-guided convoying system, we actually will be able to go where no man has gone before a little bit sooner because we are, we will still be benefiting from the human guidance in the in the system. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, a majority of other efforts seem to be focusing on uh, this I-10 area and starting there and then expanding from there. Um, some estimations are like by mid middle of this decade, we will we should have some some activities around it uh, around I-10. We believe at Locomation we will go commercial in the in the second half of 2022, and we will start deploying in um, in a variety of regions, uh, the Southwest included, but not just Southwest. We are looking at the, the Pacific Northwest. We are looking at uh, the the Midwest a little bit more, and of course Northeast. Uh, the important thing is again to to do is to look at it from a holistic point of view. We need to understand the overall heat map of what what is happening from the freight density point of view, from the regulatory point of view, from the weather or environmental uh, 
conditions point of view. So at locomotion, when we look at things, we, we use this Swiss cheese model. For us to be able to deploy somewhere, first and foremost, it has to make business sense. It, those lanes should should have the right economics around them so that they are worth uh, automating sooner. Second, there has to be uh, supporting regulatory support, uh, frameworks. And third, the uh, operational design domain or the environmental factors should be more, more uh, supportive. So we are probably not going to operate uh, from day one in, in a blizzard in May, uh, but we we might not choose to uh, automate an I-10 segment that is very well studied by now for sheer economic reasons either, even though the, the weather is perfect. Okay. So I think it's going to be a, a progression. Again, there is no, there, it's not a, a one and done. We are not going to wake up one Monday and see tens of thousands of uh, autonomous trucks on the roads. The progression is going to, progression itself is going to take well over a decade, if not more. But I think we will start seeing some uh, some applications, some deployments in the next couple of years. First, again, in the form of human-guided convoying, and close to the end of the decade, more driver out of the cab, fully, fully driverless uh, deployments. It's going to take a long time. We understand that. How are you going to survive, you and the other companies, you know, a 10-year horizon before... Uh, this technology is out on its own and making you money. Uh, right now, I imagine investor support and the uh, rates you're paid to move the freight around for the various shipping companies. Uh, is that supportable? Can you stay in business for 10 years until you... I don't think so. No? no? I don't think so. That's why, again, we, uh, we are shamelessly insecure about that. So from the very beginning, that's why we've been laser focused on how can we get to the market as quickly as possible so that we can... We can start paying the bills with our own money mm -hmm. instead of relying on investor money. That might have been seen as uh, okay, shooting for less than the moon. And why can't why don't we just focus on solving the problem once and for all for everybody? But that's just not realistic. You have to first solve a bit of it, start paying your bills with that, and use that resources to keep working on the next iteration and the next iteration and the next iteration. That's why we are uh, really a uh, working day and night to get to the market as soon as possible. The second half of 2022 is the soonest uh, based on our analysis. And if we can actually execute on that, yeah, we will have a revenue stream. And if you have a revenue stream, you are a business. If you don't have a revenue stream, you are not a business. You are a research organization. So you are at the mercy of the, your benevolent patrons. <laughs> if, if there is a, if there is a, a really, uh, long enduring Medici concept who is willing to shell out billions of dollars for the next 10 years so that some of these uh, other organizations can actually get to a meaningful solution. Yeah, maybe then, then you can survive. But 10 years is a long enough time. It is almost guaranteed to have at least one or two mini recessions in it. So every time something like that happens, the investment dollars dry up uh, regardless of your performance or regardless of your team quality, etc. So we, we we anticipate headwinds in the future, and we are trying to button up before the headwinds arrive. Sensible plan. Thank you. Well, well what is Locomation's business model? Are you going to profit from selling the technology or, or running autonomous trucks for various shipping companies like Wilson Logistics? No, we will be a technology vendor. Uh, we 
we we think everybody should do or should focus on what they know how to do best. We are developers of technology and our energy is best spent in actually developing and offering the technology. Wilson Logistics uh, and uh, other carriers, other shippers, they are very good at what they are doing. Operating fleets, scaling operations and making it an around the clock uh, operation. So the best we can do is to help them become a better version of themselves to get more out of their resources, but not meddle with them, not compete with them. That is uh, also from a business model point of view, if you if you actually uh, construct the financial projections around that, being a technology vendor is a more attractive uh, business in the long term. What's the finish line then for autonomous truck development? Uh, how do you win at this game? It's, it's not going to be a winner-take-all Situation. I think it is going to resemble a lot uh, of the current dynamics in the commercial vehicle or in general uh, auto market. So there is not a single manufacturer, there is not a single tier one supplier, there is not a single ELD supplier, etc. For all the major needs, there are a few uh, really high quality, really big players. And then maybe one or two underdogs or, or up and coming names, etc. But it's handful. I don't think it's going to look very different for the autonomy. There will be, I don't know, maybe two or three, uh, definitely not one, but maybe two or three very big, very established and uh, real corporations, not, not no longer startups, but real companies with real products, real real profits, etc. And there will always be a couple of uh, startups up and coming guys trying to trying to make it, to try, trying to break into it. It's not going to be a dozen. Some okay. of the names we see today, unfortunately, won't be with us a decade from now. Well, I think that's a reasonable assumption. I mean, back in the early days of, you know, automobile and truck production and development, lots of names, dozens. Uh, today, there are six. So it seems reasonable to me that not every uh, AI company, robotic truck company is going to survive the next 10 years. Good luck to those that do. Good. Well, yeah, yeah. Everybody deserves a lot of credit and a lot of kudos for just having the uh, the the courage to go after something like this. So, good luck to everybody. <laughs> Great talking to you, Chetan. I mean, this is a really interesting discussion. Um, I think we learned a lot about locomation here, and uh, a lot about just the autonomous truck development business in general. So, I thank you for that. Thanks a lot, Jim. Always a delight. We've been speaking with Dr. Chetan Marichli. He's the CEO and founder of autonomous truck developer Locomation. HTT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HTTX is a networking event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Join us August 25th through August 27th in Scottsdale, Arizona for HTTX 2021. To view this year's agenda and apply to be our guest at HTTX 2021, visit HeavyDutyTruckingExchange.com. Hope you're enjoying Season 6 of HTT Talks Trucking. Check out some of the other new episodes we've got for you, including a look back at the latest amendments to the Hours of Service rules and a look ahead at the commercialization of electric trucks. If you like what you hear, please spread the word on social media and give us a review and a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. If there's something you'd like us to cover, 
drop me an email at jpark at truckinginfo.com. HDT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine is published by Bobbitt Business Media. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening. <music>